Welcome to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a monthly podcast sharing stories by, with, and for Vermonters with disabilities. These are experiences of disability in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. In this episode of Green Mountain Disability Stories, we welcome back Dr. Safakor Kamabupameyi to the podcast. She sits down with our executive director, Jessie Souter, to talk about her brand new memoir, I'm Able, A Woman's Advice for Disability Change Agents. The memoir covers Dr. Kamabu Pamei's life as a child in Ghana, where she contracted polio and lost the use of her legs, but took heart from her mother's unwavering support, faith, and love, all the way through to her current life in Vermont, where she has earned a PhD from the University of Vermont and is now a lecturer in UVM Disability Studies. Let's listen. Hello, uh, Prof. I'm so excited to see you. Um, Let me do a quick introduction, uh, and then we'll jump in uh, to our conversation today. So my name is Jesse Souter. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the executive director of the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont. And it's it's my sincere pleasure (laughs) to spend a little time with Dr. Safakor Pumabu Pumoye today. And I've got questions. We were just talking a little bit about them. And I I thought it'd be fun to start with you reading a paragraph. Um, So it's at the top of page 71. Are you willing to start there? Sure. Thank you so much, Prof. I am so grateful for this opportunity also. And I am ready to read a paragraph from my book. Uh, That is page 71. In Mauto, I found a sister I could talk to about my challenges and fears. It was with Mauto I discussed my challenges. I told her the greatest challenge I've ever faced in my academic life wasn't with academic work itself. It was, it always has to do with stairs, staircases, and how to climb them safely to attend classes. Sometimes I fall. Most often when I fall, I get up, dust myself off and continue climbing. Or on a good day, friends come to my aid. But there are times that the fall is too hard. I hurt myself and spend days in the hospital. She answered, unfortunately, things are not easy. Any better around here. All of our lectures are going to be on the top floors of the lecture. What are we going to do about it? I told her, I always manage. This too, I will manage. So, yes. So, so thank you for so reading that paragraph. Um, I even wanted you to read that before I gave you a more formal introduction, which I'll do right now, uh, reading from the back of the book. Um, But I just, that paragraph to me captures so much of what I think you were trying to share with your book um, and and is a great introduction, I think, to your spirit, um, to what you call hustle many times uh, in the book. Um, And then then other things that I want to talk to you more about. Uh, But let me shift from that to a more formal introduction and and then we'll jump in. Uh, So you are an international disability rights advocate, educator, researcher, 
and policy analyst for the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability, and as a resource center coordinator of the Ghana Education Service. You're the founder of Enlightening and Empowering People with Disabilities in Africa, um, and you presented on several platforms, including the American Educational Research Association, New England Educational Organization, African Studies Association, and European Conference on African Studies, Switzerland. You're currently teaching, and I'm so happy to share this, at the University of Vermont and St. Michael's College. It is my pleasure uh, to talk to you today. Um, and as I shared a little bit earlier, I just finished the book. So I'm, I'm excited for the first chance to get to talk to you about it uh, a little bit. Thank you. Thank you so much, Prof. And I'm so honored to be interviewed by my boss. <laughs> I know you don't like that, but... <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Well, because it's not accurate. <laughs> but but I, I am the director of the center uh, where where you are uh, teaching the Global Disability Studies course. Yeah, in Ghanaian term, any leader is your boss. So mm. I would just... Mm, okay. So you just need to feel comfortable with it. <laughs> okay. I can do that. It's the least I can do. Um, <laughs> so uh, again, it was, a, it was a real pleasure uh, finishing your book. And um, the, and, I, and I, I was at your book launch, and one of the things that you shared at the book launch and in your book is that one of the goals is to change the narrative um, about disability. And I'd love to start broadly. Um, and so can you share more about what changes you want to see and how people talk about and think about uh, disability? So what does changing the narrative mean? Thank you so much, Prof. Yeah, changing the narratives to my um, understanding or what I want to see as this book comes to people's door uh, is to connect it to them. It is my story, but I can assure you, I want to say that it is our message. So even though I am narrating this story, it's my experience. I want to change the narratives of policies. I want to change the narratives of practices on the ground in any aspect of our lives, whether in the school system, in the hospitals, in the uh, around transportation, you know, I touch based on every single um, things that we go through as human beings, but what we experience as people with disabilities are very awful and so much dis discriminating to some extent that we don't want to see that again. Why do I need to change the narrative? It's because disability is always um, having negative identity or negative uh, issues around. Anybody who hears the word disability doesn't want to connect to it. But if you connect to the ordeals, the hassles that I go through practically, and you connect it to yourself as human being, you want to think deep about how to make this um, a better place or how to change the, the environment, the lifestyles of people with disabilities. In other words, I always say that if we flip the coin and we flip the coin to just say that disability is part of humanity, which I always share with people broadly, that it's part of humanity and we need to work with every systems that are laid down, structures 
that are laid down to make sure that it's connected to the humanity in the spirit of what I would say Ubuntu or in the spirit of humanity. That is, I am because you are the next person around you. Whatever you are doing, you have to think about how does it reflect to the person. For instance, the passage that I just read, that passage, um, I went through a whole lot of ordeal before I met Malto, you know, and if if we are building structures today in, in any aspect of our life, whether it is your own home that you are building and you still don't think that think about it, that you will have disability at some point in time, then I'm sorry. That is the piece of me that tells you that it's part of humanity that you need to just be ready to also plan your life towards how to make life easier for anybody who has a disability. So um, that is the narrative I want to change uh, about disability to make it closer to you, that you are a person, whether you have visible or invisible, invisible disability, uh, whether you have it now or you don't, I'm likely to tell you 100% uh, sure that you will have a disability at some point in time. That's what I say. That's how I say it because I want to prepare people um, from the shock or the fear of the unknown in the future. So I want to make sure that as much as this book comes to your door and you read, then you can reflect as an individual in your home and see what you can do. Even if you're not a policy maker or implementer, you can still start that dialogue in the house. You can still change your mindset, your attitude. You know, the very big thing that we have as people with disabilities across the world, everywhere, is the attitudinal change that we are asking for. Because if you and I agree to uh, work together and then people behind the scene or people that in our community do not know anything that we are working together with around disability, we, we are going to flop. So yeah, I want to change the narrative of people with disabilities uh, with this book as we change policies, especially and practices together to connect to the people that we are working with on the ground. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you, you've touched on so much what I want to talk about. So thank you uh, for that. And, 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 what, and some of those I want to come back to. I am because you are, is a quote that you put at the end of your email signature. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, so just as a preparation, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in, in a minute. Um, um, I also want folks to understand who have not had a chance to read the book yet. Um, what you just described um, sounds like it almost could be a textbook on, on a how-to guide for, for a policymaker or or to change attitudes and, and maybe more like you're, you're telling exactly, um, you're making your recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you do, uh, that, 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 is, that is throughout the book. And I want people to understand that this is a, it's a, it's a deeply personal memoir uh, about your life. You, you share amazing heights, deep tragedies uh, and challenges that you've experienced. And, and sort of thinking about sort of that message of wanting to change the narrative and, and, you, and you chose to, um, to do it in, in, a, in the most personal way that I can think of, you know, really just bearing your soul. Um, I, I wonder if you can speak to that uh, for a moment. Was it important for you, uh, for your readers, uh, to really understand you and your life in order to get that message, in order to change the narrative. Thank you so much. Sure. 
Um, as much as I walk through the lives um, of my disability journey, I realized that the stories that we carry are very powerful. And as much as I work across the globe with organizations working with people with disabilities, that is the EEPD Africa, which actually is my background, as much as I work with students across uh, whether they have disability or not, I also see the connection. So I work also with parents, with this, I mean, parents without disabilities who have children with disabilities. And of course, working with what caregivers or support systems, people who are helping us. I realized that every part of my life has touched base on all these in uh, agencies, I will call them, or institutions or um, groups of people. And that is why uh, at some point I gave even those recommendations given to parents, given to people with disabilities, teachers, policymakers, you know, I work with them and the stories are the same. The stories are the same in Ghana, Denmark, America, I mean, everywhere that I step my feet in terms of most of the time schooling, I face the same challenges and I connect the dots that the same challenges are still as in existence. So I just bring my life naturally because as much as I talk to people most of the time about the things that I go through, some people don't really believe that. They always ask me, and you still have smile on your face, you know, that that is it because when people are connected to the realities on the ground of my life, they cannot connect the dots that how come you still you are still happy or how come you made it to this level. And mm -hmm. for me, changing the narratives, it's about making sure that people don't take it that when you are a person with disability, you are a cached object or a negative thing that everybody thinks about. And for me, again, to be a, a, a doctor today, I know most people doubt that as much as they see me on my scooter, um, they make trash of me. Most of the time, until I give them my card, business card, or until I engage them to say hello, and we talk at length about five minutes, then they know that, oh, you are this person. So Changing the narrative is so huge for me that um, I just want to make sure that we don't continue the lifestyle of people with disability like this. We don't make life very much miserable for them because we people with disabilities, we are happy with ourselves. We are so happy with our life, but the outside world, that is why to me, I mean, as I always say, it's a social construct as much as we know that everything around the society is disabling us. So using this book, I don't only think it is for schools, even though I'm into education, I make sure that it gets to families, it gets to offices that they can sit down and just read a package, a, a paragraph or a, a chapter and answer the questions that I bring to them closely, which are very much unique uh, in this book, because in every chapter, I draw you to the realities of the lives of people with disabilities, and then you can connect to it, maybe in your community, and change your lifestyle as a person. 
and see what best you can do. If you're able to answer those questions, maybe that will be the beginning of the, the discussion to mm. make it closer to people. You know, it's a taboo topic. Nobody wants to talk about it, but this book starts the conversation. That is why I say it is our message. It's my story, but I, I think it is a message to all of us that anybody can just use this book. Even I have a family right now, they are reading it uh, to just educate themselves. So that is how far I see this book going. It's not only in the educational system. Um, yeah, and our medical department, they, I mean, you know, I touch base on hospital, like uh, things that happen to me there. That is another uh, angle that um, we have to work through seriously in terms of connecting people with disabilities uh, to them. Yeah, so that is how it means to me to use myself or my story to change the narrative. That's, I thank you uh, for, for that. That's, I mean, you, you, you touch on so much that I was, you know, excited about when, when reading this book and, and, and again, you, you, you go back and forth as, as, as the prof that you are, as the teacher uh, that you are, you know, with your, with the, just the most deeply personal elements of your life and, and, um, and the beauty and the tragedy of it um, to, to what are the lessons uh, from that and you and you share what you took away uh, from that but immediately you know again as 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 a, as a teacher um I, I saw you again and again sharing you know what you hope others would take from that um and mm -hmm. I'm just, it's it, I really appreciate getting to to hear your what went into that and your perspectives on it um and 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 a big part of that journey um I mean you 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 talk about you know your your earliest uh, your earliest days and experiences um, uh, from before um, having polio and and after, um, and just you were just talking about working with parents, and so many stories are the same. Um, and a big part of your story is is your parents' reaction uh, to to your disability, um, and and they I I don't think they could be more different. Um, I yeah. wonder if that's part of your story that you that you've also heard. Uh, from other people with disabilities where, you know, one parent, in your case, your mom really lifted you up um, and, you know, not, not just to you, but to others, you know, really exalted what you were capable of and what you would need to do uh, in order to overcome. Um, and, and, and your father didn't. Here. Um, so I don't know if you want to speak to that on a personal note, um, share any of that, or if you want to leave that to the reader, but I guess I'm also curious if that's part of the same story that you're hearing from others when you talk to parents and when you talk to other people with disabilities. So give you some yeah. room, go whichever direction you'd like with that. Thank you so much. I think I'll blend the two. And that part, particular chapter is very important to me. And I really want people to really read that chapter with dear, I mean, connection. Why would I say that? Because that actually has been the journey, uh, the beginning of the journey for me. Um, having gotten polio and my, as I said, they were, I mean, happily married, right? And I'm a firstborn and those pride, I have them from childhood. And when polio strike or struck, that is the, the beginning. And I see that happening to everybody who has a child with disability, everybody. Nobody embraces that child who comes out to be, to have a Down syndrome, to have aut autism, to have epilepsy, seizure, or 
nobody has that capacity or the 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 open mindedness the attitude even the mother who carries the baby in the womb has a shock and that is the point for me that we need to just change that particular shock. We need to just um, make sure that we don't have any shock where we have any child with disability from our parents' angle. Why would we have that? If you develop that particular part that disability is part of humanity, you know, I keep on saying this because we have lost it from the beginning. So. Yes, as I work across the state, I have worked, I've, I've worked with so many students who, as you know, I build them with self-advocacy skills and strategies. I teach and all those things. Students who actually own their disability. And I, as we have what we call disability pride, right? For a student to get to that level, to be very much uh, proud of himself or themselves and own that identity because to us, disability is part of our identity. We cannot deny it. That is some of us, we, we believe that it's part of our identity. And when you embrace yourself and you want to move forward, you will see parents really stopping you from what you want to do. I can share a typical example with you. I work with this student about six months. We were building relationship. I mean, when I started with them, it was like this. And gradually this when they saw me, they would definitely be hey, 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 like happy. And parents were very much happy. And one thing that I realized they were having that time was because um, not that time, it's still in the system because uh, they don't have access to social life. They are being homeschooled. And also the fact that they have been indoor, they don't have that connection, right? So I developed a program to have this type of togetherness with them. A typical example was we were going to have um, Halloween uh, program or Halloween day, uh, which they don't have anywhere to go. So I had these students, I mean, it's American culture. And if you hear that and you are not part of it, uh, for them, some of them were really questioning that how do we do that? So I brought them together and then one thing that I know my students like is when they see their faces on a flyer, right? And they, we are going to share that flyer out that, hey, this person is presenting. It's something huge. It might not mean anything to some people that presentation or, or a common flyer, but to my students, that is the best offer they can have that people can see what they can do or they mm -hmm. can see them that they exist. And this is a student who have gone through that process with me for six months. And I told them they are going to have panel discussion and share uh, 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 things that they have learned during uh, my working with them during that time. And then also build relationship to know that, oh, there is another person in Rutland or in another place that works with, I mean, that has disability that you can connect with. We were at the verge of preparing the flyer and I had some of the pictures from them and their quotation and the schools that they, they want to be associated with and all those stuff. And this person, when we were talking on the screen like this, mom came out from the room 
and was very, very, very furious. It was like, Safako, I love it when you come. They are always happy with you, da, da, da. And we are so proud of the work you have done with them right now, but mm -hmm. we don't want to expose them. That is the way, which shuts me down. We don't want anybody to see them. We don't want to expose them. I'm like, seriously? So what am I doing here? Because for me, I want to take these children out of the shadows. I want to expose them to let them know that there is another social life, another part of life outside home. And to let them know that we have a connection. You are not in it alone. And mom was very proud to tell me that, well, this is an exception because I have guardianship. So when I talk about policies mm -hmm. that, yes, mm -hmm. that is a policy that is really very much um, overprotective, I would say. I don't know because as much as guardianship is concerned, I don't know to what extent the child is supposed to say that I want to present or I want to meet a friend, you know? So for me, when I connect that to my experience back home, when my dad ran away and didn't want to associate with me or didn't want me to be uh, associated with him, um, it's the same. It's just that it has a different, um, um, I would say that different design in the US system. You know, the, the stigma is the same, but we, we we characterize it with different things. And here the policies are so strong that you are not able to uh, penetrate through it at times. The moment she told me she had guardianship, I couldn't move forward. And mm. that this student couldn't perform. That is where I want people to connect to, to know that it's still happening. Attitude not changed. We don't want people to know that we have a disability. We don't want them to associate themselves with us. We don't want people to know that we have children with disabilities that we are keeping in our homes. Yes, mm. it's happening in America. And for me, it's huge because if, if I should work with a student to that level and still this student is not able to join the other ones, then uh, I, I'm not able to do my because self-advocacy skills and strategies bring you out and uh, to, to, to be able to vouch for yourself, to be able to tell what you need, how you need it, and then uh, and ask for your reasonable accommodations and those stuff. But here is a case there is a blockade that you cannot go further. So yes, that story of myself, it's another person's story too, but it's just packaged in a different way. Mm. There's, uh, so thank you. Uh, I, 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 again, it, it touches on so many aspects of what I, I think you were sharing and what I'm hearing you you confirm uh, that you're trying to share in, in your book, which is, which is great. I wanna ask you about more about how people with disabilities see themselves and be seen by others, the importance of that. Mm -hmm. And what you were just talking about, I want to also ask you about um, differences that you've experienced in the different countries that you've lived and worked in. And I can't do both of those at the same time. So that's why I'm just saying it out loud. I, I do feel like I would really miss an opportunity if I didn't follow up on what you were just talking about, though, because you said there's a difference in the design in the U.S. system. Um, and you, unlike most, have experience in, in, in different countries, um, having lived and worked in, in Ghana and Denmark and the United States and different places. Um, and, and that also felt like a theme in your book. 
where there was both the similarities that you're talking about with stories being similar, but also, uh, you know, deep cultural differences, differences in, in, in ableism, differences in racism. Um, and, and I hear you talking about many of the ways things are the same and there are differences. And I wonder, as I struggled to figure out how to ask the question, what would you like your readers to understand? Um, and maybe even as you say, people don't believe you sometimes um, about experiences. You mentioned in your book, some people in, in Ghana wouldn't believe you about things that happen in the United States and people yeah. in the United States don't believe you about other. So what, what do you wish people better understood about maybe the differences and similarities? Um, yeah, thank you so much. That is one of the areas that I really want to talk about in terms of believing. Uh, as I said, um, in, in Africa, not only in Ghana, we have been deceived so many times in so many things. Um, and that deceived. is why for me- You said deceived? Me, what? Did you say deceived? Deceived, yeah, deceived. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's for, for me, that is why I I touch base on that, the, the, the deceived part, because- I, I, if I tell people, they don't get it. So that's why I wrote it down to mm -hmm. authenticate it, that you can quote me on that, that I said this because most of the things I experienced them myself too. So those things, we never talk about them in Ghana. America is projected to us in a very, very luxurious, clean uh, right. environment. Like that is a package we have about America. And when I say we still have people with disabilities going through pain, go chasing, chasing how to get access to food, chasing access to housing, accessible housing, chasing mm -hmm. how to get uh, um, transportation. It doesn't sound well to a Ghanaian dis with disability. No, they can never believe that. That is the process. When I narrated that, it took me one whole year to get to where I live now in terms of housing, while I have built my four bedroom uh, a, a, a house down in Ghana, I left behind and I'm still looking for housing, accessible housing. Nobody believed that, nobody. So that is why I had to put it down that I have been lodged by Dr. Contopassis and the family and all those stuff, you know, I just wanted it to be real because as much as I tell my people, that this is not true. Americans with disabilities are also suffering. They are also fighting still the system. There are stretches. And the worst of all, if you are a person with disability of color or you have another identity attached to it, it becomes double agony. They mm. don't get it. Yes. So yeah. I just put it out there to connect the dots, to show the differences and to show the similarities. Of course, life in Denmark was so blissful. You know, Danish, they don't know the word poor. It's actually not in their dictionary. It's not part of their dictionary. So everything is leveraged. Yeah, everything is leveraged. Huh. Yeah, they don't have private hospital, private school. Yeah, so most of, I mean, where I went, I didn't see disability to be a problem. Everything was so much accessible and they were in the system or they have captured even though they are also fighting the system, but the life there was a bit um, better than what I'm, what I, in terms of accessibility, mm -hmm. at least I can talk to that. Yeah, of course, 
they're also fighting for their rights every single day. But yeah, those are some of the challenges. But I can share boldly mm-hmm. with, uh, yeah, with uh, that comparative analysis, I can do it between Ghana and the U.S. system. Yeah, I, I, I found that fascinating. And I love that earlier you shared um, that some people still don't believe yes. stories. And I and I, a lot of what you shared, both in terms of the racism, um, things that you've experienced um, as, as not a U.S. citizen, mm-hmm. um, when we talk about them, certainly there are lots of things just in working with you that I didn't know. Um, exactly. and, and, and you you could feel that impulse to not believe it. It can't be that bad. It can't be that hard. It can't be left to your own hustle uh, to, to do that in the United States. Um, so I I appreciate very deeply that, that, that you shared that. So so you 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 alluded to this earlier um, and many times in your book. If, can I quote you? From your yeah. book, briefly, yeah. I had a couple lines. Yes, feel free. Um, so there, I must say clearly that there are lots of invisible disabilities that we do not have names for in our country, talking about Ghana due to so many reasons. And I will talk about that one day in another book. Mm-hmm. Another quote, I will tell you more about my love and marital life in the next book. Mm-hmm. Don't let me forget. That's also part of the quote. Uh, and then the third quote is, watch out for my next book to hear more about how the Global Disability Studies course is expanding across the United States, Africa, Asia, Europe, etc. And I think you just told me a fourth thing that might be in the next book. So what are your thoughts about the next book and you know whether or not you want to share the, the title uh, for how you came to this book or, or your next book, um, which I just love that story as well. You can decide that, but what's next? Thank you so much, Prof. Yeah, what next? Um, there is a book coming. I will oh. say that my son gave the title, I'm Grateful. Yes. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that are, are you releasing that now? Is this Is this a scoop? Are you sharing the title of your second book? I'm sharing it so that if somebody wants to <laughs> capture that, I'm I'm grateful. I don't know if somebody will come out uh, ahead of me. I don't know, but that is my son's um, uh, title that he gave the second book. I'm grateful one to God, and I'm grateful to people around me. If I I have been helped in so many journey in all my journey, I can never thank people. I have just been supported. I don't know how, but God, I, I believe that God puts people that I call destiny helpers in my way that brought me to this level that I can do something about the systemic barriers or structures that we have this um, for people uh, uh, pulling us behind. Um, so yes, uh, why did I hold those particular topics and keep reminding you that watch out is because they are going to be the greater parts of the the the, the book of I mean the, my next book because people actually want to know my married life right how 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 did it happen I gave a little about that in this book just to make sure that people know that okay even though we believe that some people ask me when I say I have twins first thing is oh no not even the twin one. I am married. First thing is, you are married? And then I, ha- I have to go, of course, I have feelings. I'm a human being, you know? Mm-hmm. Culturally, some people don't even 
think that we have feelings, like we can have feelings as people with disabilities. So I would say that that actually was one thing that we discussed in this book, uh, Interpreting the Body, that I, I wrote a chapter in this book expressing how we feel about people with disability. We have feelings just like you. So uh, that is part of it, like a whole my marital life. It's something that I want to share because culturally people don't really want to connect with people with disabilities. They don't mm -hmm. have the pride in us. And at times too, when some of them uh, connect with you, you realize that they are not, they don't meet what marriage means to them. So mm -hmm. that those uh, because some of the students or the people that I work with, we, we, we have to fight uh, police here and there or the ju judicial system to arrest people to make sure that they look after their children uh, uh, mm -hmm. with disabilities uh, or with parents with disabilities, you know? So those issues uh, are, are also there. Um, my next um, course or the Global Disability Studies course, mm. it's, it's that course that is actually pulling people from any part of the world to change the narrative. Why is it so? Because in this course, as much as I build this curriculum, my expectation is to dismantle disability in every home. So when you are in Asia or in Australia, when you take this course through the online asynchronous program, the main thing for you is to make an advocacy campaign in your own country, wherever you are, focusing on something specific around disability and changing it. And the interesting piece for me is changing it means you are going to do a presentation. You identify a community. And I want people to connect to their communities directly, wherever either you are working, your home, wherever in your community, whatever work you are doing before you take this course, you do something and educate them. So for mm. me, it's kind of a movement that I'm forming in academia to make sure that people with disabilities are also captured around every table of discussion or eating in a home. Wherever you are, you find solution practically mm. with this course. So I believe strongly that anybody who takes this course, as, as you know, anybody who took this course is very much on, on duty, on the ground. Like that's one thing that makes me happy because the class just doesn't end. We are still working in the communities. Yeah, and that's the part of it that um, it's very much powerful for me. And I will say that as you know, it's coming up in Ghana, live in Khaled. Classes are starting, international disability mm -hmm. studies, right? So. Yeah, I, I strongly believe that this book will bring disability to everybody's door. And one thing that I want to um, sum up with, which I always say flipping the coin with is, we should start talking about disability openly with our children from home. Why mm -hmm. do I say this? I say this because I always use the poop scenario that we all eat we all drink and everybody knows that nobody wants to talk about poop because it is not nice right we should start talking about disability like that also i'm not comparing disability to poop but it should come freely to children to know that there is something like that that yeah. one thing is they will also have it at yeah. any point in time we make sure that we clarify it for them that you just don't know which one you will have and you don't know when you will have it. 
But the reality is you have any type of disability before you die, if you live long. If that conversation should be there in the house, I think uh, stigma, discrimination, and all the structures laid down will be dismantled easily by the new generation. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Um, and, and I'll say on a personal note, um, having having been reading your book uh, for the last couple of days at, at my home, uh, I have I have two young boys that are getting into books uh, on their own, and they were very curious about what I was reading. And uh, your 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 picture is on the cover, and they wanted to know who who is this person and what is the book about. Most importantly, are their pictures. So they love the pictures. Uh, thank you for including those. Thank um, you. But it was a great opportunity to talk with them about disability. Um, in a in a much more natural way than you know me trying to give them the textbook or the or the or teaching moment. Uh, this is again, it's just such a personal memoir that you shared. I'm thrilled uh, to hear more. Uh, you tease it several times in the book, so I'm so thrilled to hear that you you have a title uh, and then you're working on it. Um, but I will remind folks, this book is called "I'm Able: A Woman's Advice for Disability Change Agents." So. Thank you, Sapakor, and be well, everyone. Green Mountain Disability Stories is a monthly podcast featuring stories told by Vermonters with disabilities about their experiences, opinions, and the systems that support and thwart them. You can watch this episode on our YouTube channel or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. Huge thanks for this episode go to Dr. Kamabu Pumei and Jesse Suter. This podcast is a production of the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont. The music for this episode is Waves Are Only Beautiful When They Break by Sewell June, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0. You can find transcripts and so much more at go.uvm.edu slash green mountain disability. Thanks for listening.